we're kind of trying to build something here. And part of that is to kind of, you know, through the tough periods, just not allow the lads too much latitude in terms of excuses. But the reality of it is, and I've probably been too hard on them in retrospect, we got decimated after the Chelsea game. And it's no coincidence that now we're getting some players back, we're starting to look a little bit stronger. And I'm not going to speak on Eddie Howe's behalf, but I can see what he's going through, you know. And in this league, you have one or two key players out, you're going to struggle. I mean, you mentioned James and Mickey, but you missed out Benton Core. You missed out how important Perisic was when we won those games late. He was the one providing Manor Solomon. So I could go on and on, and but it sounds like excuses, but that's the reality of the Premier League. You know, that's and you don't have to need you don't need too much analysis to see why in the last few weeks we probably haven't been as you know conclusive in our sort of results as we were earlier in the year. And when I analyse the performances, you know, I've asked guys to do. I don't know how many positions Decky's played, you know, it's Kulosevsky. I don't know, you know, Ben Davis has turned into a centre-back now, you know. <laughs> we had Emerson there at centre-back. So all these kind of things, you know, there's some logic as to why we kind of slipped a little bit. And in the Premier League, if you slip a little bit, that's that's enough, you know. So hopefully we're coming out the other side, like you said, you know, just, just having Richie and Pepe back today, just being able to make those two changes after a midweek game. As I said, Eddie couldn't make any changes and I just felt we had more energy, more legs and we needed it today. The reason that I'm here is because, you know, the club is seeking change. He said, well, whether you come or not, you're going to see a completely different first team under me. My hope and my desire and what I'm going to try and do is give our supporters hope and, and belief that we're, um, you know, we're going to embark on something special. Welcome into the Tottenham Depot. I am your host, Andrew. If you can't tell, the voice still not 100%, but we are doing it anyway. It's episode 155. We've got a win to talk about, finally, for the first time in quite some time. We've got... The Todd father back in the house. He is at TC underscore Cachot. Todd, what is up, my friend? Any day, good sir. Any day you can talk about uh, two, not one, but two pigeon dances. It's, uh, it's a good day. Caroline is also back with us. She is at CG Stefko. Kaz, I know you've had a busy day. Thank you for hopping on. How's it going? I'm doing great. I'm sitting here with my platter of cookies that I got from the cookie exchange I went to this afternoon after the game. So getting in the festive spirit and the men's team helped with that today. So thank you to the men. Yes, thank you to the men. The women, not so much. We will come on to that um, for, for, for many reasons. There's, there's a lot to talk about with the women. Um, they lose today to Manchester United. Uh, the men, however... Pick up their first win since October 27th. Yes, that is true. And it is currently December 10th. Uh, do that math if you would. would. Uh, Tottenham Hotspur 4-1 over Newcastle United today. Um, I, you know, th- there's a lot to talk about with this game. There's a couple lineup changes. Um, just generally a good game. Not a whole heck of a lot to complain about. Um, I, I do want to start with the lineup though. Uh, let's, let's dive right in, um, and, and bang this out because we get a couple of, of switches with some players getting healthy and coming back into the lineup. And I think that's, as we kind of heard from Andrew Postacoglu in his post game, 
that's kind of been the, the, the story of this. Um, you know, Caroline, when, when you and I talked earlier in the week, kind of recapping what happened against Manchester City and what happened against West Ham, um, we kind of took a lot of the, the micro versus macro view. And with this team getting a little bit more healthy and being able to make some changes, um, we saw improvement. And Pat Matesar comes into the lineup today, as does Richarlison, Lacelso and PEH switched out. And I thought, you know, not that that made the world of difference, but just having a little bit of freshness in this team and just having a little bit, um, you know, having at least a fresh, fresher team than Newcastle was able to put out there really made a world of difference. Am I wrong? Yeah, you buried the lead because Newcastle, I think, was playing the same 10 outfield players they played for the last five games in the space yeah, of like two and, weeks because, you know, yes. they're playing midweek in, in Europe. So they definitely were not fresh. And I, I do feel like that kind of came through in their performance. But it, it is true that we're basically in pretty similar injury crisis situations in terms of, you know, actual numbers. So this was kind of the first game in a while where it felt like it was, you know, kind of a fair fight um, from a personnel perspective. But I was interested to see the lineup because, you know, Richarlison, he's only been getting really, you know, late seven it since he came back from his surgery. So I was excited to see what he could do and hopefully, you know, get back to some actual form because it's it has been a while since we have seen him at his best. Um, and I think he, he got pretty close today um, to, you know, what he's really capable of. So that was good. And, oh my gosh. But with that, Sun going back out to the wing instead of being a striker, you know, that was kind of uh, – I don't know. It made me a little nervous because you know how it is. Sonny gets scapegoated no matter where he's playing, what he does. So that just kind of made me pause. But again, another player who really showed up today. So pretty Absolutely. good all around. Two, two assists and a goal from Sonny, Andrew. Not, not, not bad for business. And I would absolutely uh, uh, agree with you, Caroline. I think that uh, that's the best for Charleston we've seen. Uh, certainly the best display since the, the Champions League two-goal appearance against Marseille uh, for Richarlison in a Spurs shirt. Uh, he scored with his feet, Andrew, for the first time in the history uh, of, uh, of his Tottenham Hotspur career, which is pretty darn incredible. Uh, and the Pedro Poro pass, I, I literally said in the chat, it's the most, like, the way that he controlled that did uh, Richarlison. I said it was the most Brazilian thing that he's ever done in a Tottenham Hotspur shirt, and I stand by that fully. I'm glad you touched on Pedro Poro. I I brought this up in our group chat earlier today, and I think when you take the season as a whole, I'm not sure there... Look, you could point to a, a couple of different players, I think, but just... Look, we're, we're not quite to the halfway point, but I think at this point of the season, he is my player of the season. Um, and look, you could say there are other players to mention there, but the consistency with which that guy has played. And I also think that there's a little bit of crow to be eaten by, by yours truly too, because I did not believe that he could turn himself from a wing back into a fullback, uh, and, and, and do so in Ange's system. And he's just proved me completely wrong. He has been remarkable. A revelation and share some of that crow because I absolutely was on this very podcast and said that man cannot defend in the Premier League. And I am over here still saying that he cannot defend in the Premier League. But so far, he's been doing a really, really good job doing what Ange has wanted him to do, um, which is play this inverted fullback role that's essentially like a creative midfielder from the outside. 
Uh, it's really, really interesting to see. And uh, I think Pedro Porro has been fantastic. But I think that my player of the season, I know we didn't, you didn't ask for this, but I'm giving it to you anyway, so you're welcome, is uh, Kulisevsky. Because that guy's the absolute Swiss Army knife for us, and he just shows up week in and week out. He balled out again today. Absolute ridiculousness from him. And if Sonny was in the middle on a couple of those crosses instead of Richarlison early on in the game, it definitely would have been five or six uh, before uh, Newcastle pulled one back late on some PEH bullshit. Damn it, PEH. Anyway. <laughs> well, I can certainly tell you this. Pedro Porro was the best right back on the pitch today because Kieran Trippier was on ice skates. Um, and look, I, I respect Kieran Trippier and love loved his time at Spurs and was a little bit sad to see him go. But boy, oh boy, was Sonny just um, – he was wrecking him the whole game. I mean, it was really, really a sight to see. He beat the brakes off of that boy, but it really, I, and Caroline, I'm curious if you saw the same thing. It looked like Trippier had like a groin or something. He looked in pain the whole time. Well, I mean, I think he's been going through kind of a rough stretch. And again, Eddie Howe is running his players into the ground. You know, I know he doesn't have many options on the bench, kind of like we, we've been in the same situation at Spurs, but I think he's, he's carrying a pretty big load on that team because he's, you know, one of their most important players, no matter what the, the situation is, um, fitness-wise. But, yeah, he he definitely struggled with Sonny today. And um, on the flip side, it was good to see, you know, some of that pace from Sun that I think we haven't seen in the last few games. Um, he, he seemed to have a little bit of that fire back. And I don't know, That's that was kind Full of one of, of the most interesting things about this game to me was it's, it's just good to see that we have flexibility with, with Richie and son, you know, positionally, I think there are going to be games where, you know, flipping them like this is going to be more beneficial. Um, but it's just good to see that son is still, you know, really capable in that left wing role um, since we haven't seen him there as much this season. But since y'all were talking about, you know, underappreciated players, essentially Paps are, I mean, coming back into the team, I, I think he really has gone unsung because I didn't even realize how important he had been to the midfield, um, those games that he was out. But it, it clearly made a huge difference today. Um, and some I of his, his control on the ball is just incredible. Um, I think he and Romero actually have very similar traits in that aspect. But, yeah, I think he made Basuma better today too, which – I mean, that's the point it, I so. was going to make. That's exactly the point that it's I was also the, make. it's also the point I wanted to make. So I'm glad we're all seeing eye to eye there that the, the, the cohesion of those two together, we, we've, 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 we've slighted Basuma a little bit over the last few weeks, but you're right. Sar coming back in has made, makes him better. And also I think it makes Kulisevsky in that, you know, more central role able to create a lot more and it, it all just the, the cohesion there in that midfield is this i i guess the question would be with madison bentoncore injured is this the best midfield that this team can put out right now um and what other pieces you know i i, I have not hated the way that hoybier has played over the last few weeks but you know and i, I don't mind him in a substitute role Okay, so, so say more on that because you are, as we know, the 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 PEH whisperer. I'm the guy. I was wearing a, a ho ho ho, except for the O's were with the line through it for Hoybier with a Hoybier face today. That was the that was my game day fit. I love myself some Hoybier, but he's not meant for the system. 
and we need smart, adept touches in tight spaces, and that's not his game. He is at the heart of almost every one of our self-inflicted wounds this season. And that just says to me that as much as I love him to come in and shut a game down like this, we have to be prepared to not to, to, we have to be prepared to concede a late goal because he's going to be coming in. I I just think that's where we're at with him in this system. He's not good enough on the ball in that regard. I think that's really fair. And I think the same could be said probably for Oliver skip. Um, And at least, at at least, at least to some extent, Giovanni LaCelso, although I, I know that he had, had had a pretty good run of form, but this Brian midfield, today. yeah, Brian looked okay. But this midfield, the way that the, the starting midfield, I thought just chef's hats and you know spatulas out. They cooked. Um, <laughs> they 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 did all the work. I want to talk about the front three though, because Caroline, you made the point. Sonny moving out to the left, the way that he was able to get to the touchline and c- cross the back. I mean, those two assists were just gold. And Richarlison through the middle was brilliant. And Brennan Johnson, even even though he didn't register any kind of goal contribution, I thought was really good as well. This kind of front three, that the the dynamic nature of them to move around with Kulisevsky, you know, creating behind them in a way, not in a way that Matt James Madison would, but in a way that, you know, someone just under James Madison's level maybe would, I think all really worked. Um, so the, the combination of the midfield cooking and that front three, I just, I loved every bit of it. And obviously when we talk about Newcastle and where they are uh, four goals, I mean, what, what can you, you're going to win a lot of games if you score four goals, let's be honest. Yeah. I mean, I don't disagree with that. I, I'm sure neither does Caroline to be fair. Um, but I think, uh, I, I guess fuck Callum Wilson. I, that's the part of the of where we are in the in the podcast. We'll go ahead and say that. If we're going are we going there it. already? I mean, we're just going to you know, tease it out there because first off, that's a standing rule. He's been a douchebag for a long time. But um, what I would also say is that Kulisevsky is never going to be James Madison ever. But Kulisevsky does things that James Madison can never hope to do when it comes to body positioning and shielding the ball, the amount of touches that Kulisevsky gets, like controlled touches that he gets in the opponent's box, is absolutely ridiculous. He is so cool and calm in that area and in that space. I, there's nobody else in this team right now, and that includes Giovanni Lacelso, that I would want to deputize for James Madison other than Decky right now. He's, he's proved and shown so much to me in terms of the way that he has the ability to affect a game, whether he has an assist or a goal or not. Well, and it's interesting that he has already, you know, risen in the pecking order above Giovanni Lo because I think for a couple of games there, we had some hope that, you know, he could fill in that, that space for Madison until he came back. But it, it looks like he's already falling out of favor with Ange, um, you know, to be dropped from the starting lineup for this game. So and I think that's always been the issue with Gio. Like he's not, he's just not consistent. Um, or at least he hasn't been in a Spurs shirt. I'll be honest. I didn't watch a ton of him when he was uh, in La Liga. But yeah. um, the other thing, since we're talking player. about, oh no, yeah, like a, a decent quality sub for sure. But I don't think, you know, we're talking about what's our best starting lineup for the midfield. I don't think he gets in it. Um you know, unless unless something's wrong with Kulisevsky and Madison. But 
since you were mentioning opponents' touches in the box, can we talk about the fact that we finally got a penalty <laughs> and we know who our penalty taker is? I mean, I think we probably assumed that it was Sonny, but it was it was just great to see him put that away really confidently and to win the penalty also. Well, no, there's no question, but to be fair, Richarlison had come off about 10 minutes prior to the penalty, so I don't know for sure if Richarlison's on a brace, if he's, you know if he's going to get the chance to, to, to make it a hat trick there, but, uh, but Sonny took it brilliantly and won it and won it brilliantly, took it brilliantly. I was all in favor. Um, to assist it's Sonny every time. There is no question. Yeah. It's Sonny every time. Like he's I got the, it. he's got the armband on Sonny every time. I loved it. And Sonny, speaking of Sonny, um, the two assists, the goal, but, but the assists for me, <laughs> I mean, even more so than the penalty goal were, were, were key. And I, I, I pulled this nugget. Um, Sun has now provided the most assists for Spurs in the Premier League era. He's got 83, overtakes Christian Eriksen, who had 82. That is um No way. That's the remarkable. most impressive stat that, that I can think of when it comes to Youngman Sun. That is the coolest thing that I've heard so far. So yeah. awesome. It's a really, it's a really big deal. And I um I'm 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 really happy for Sonny. He's obviously taken to this captaincy and he, hearing him after West Ham and how, and, and Caroline and I talked, talked about this on the pod. Like he was pissed off at the way that they, you know, just threw that game uh, away and for them to come out today and, you know, get, get a four nil lead at home against Newcastle, a team that by the way, ran rough shot over us last time we played them up there um, to, to return the favor to an extent in this one, I just thought was was really super, super important. Um, look, we've talked about all the good. I, I, I want to keep it going because we talked a little bit about a Pedro Poro. Destiny Adogi got his first goal for Spurs today. He was also extremely, extremely good in this game. Um, both the, 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 the fullback, I keep wanting to say wingbacks just because of the way that they play. Both of the fullbacks played extremely, extremely well. Um, and both of the center backs, I thought, played extremely, extremely well. I know I, I've talked a lot about Ben Davis and kind of the role that he's playing right now for this club. But, man, I just I want to keep talking about it because he, to me, it, like he just it's very, very unsung. And it's very, very just matter of fact, lunch pail type of stuff from Ben Davis. Um, Caroline, I can tell you you want to you want to heap some praise on, on, on Daddy Davis, too. Go ahead. I mean, always. Right. But no, I was just going to say. I think his interview after the game was really great and showed just his maturity and his leadership, I think probably goes unnoticed sometimes, but he is one of the longest tenured players at the club. And I think having him come in, you know, while Mickey Van Deven is out injured has been really important in terms of having someone back there who is, who has the experience, who has the, the mentality, the calmness, um, cause you know, we saw a great example of that with that clearance that he made that, you know, <laughs> could have easily become an own goal, but I think, you know, that's, he's the kind of player that you want making that risk, um, out of anyone on the team. So I thought he, he's been playing really well. And, um, now that Romero is back, he, I think he kind of subtly alluded to this when he was like, I've had a couple of different, you know, partners at center back over the past few games, but now Romero's back and. Um, I think he, he's feeling a little better, you know, with Cootie there um, to do kind of more of the the progressive work um, while, while the, Davis is just the, holding it down. And the dirty work for that matter. 
Well, and not to mention Davis even had more passes into the final third today than, than Romero did. I mean, he had a number of clearances, great defensive action, um, was just really, really good. And Romero was good too, but, and this is where, where we're going to come on to this now. Um, Christian Romero picked up a, a, another yellow card today, his fourth. And this is of course, after he served a suspension for a red card, um, fourth fourth yellow card another one before i believe it's the 19th game and this was the 16th game would result in another suspension by the way the yellow card he picked up that's not a yellow card that's a red card and he was extremely extremely fortunate uh, to to have not been sent off for that for that challenge no i'm not gonna stop because it was a red card it was at the very least. No, it wasn't. Card. No, it wasn't. They even went to the VAR, and the VAR said it wasn't a red card. So don't don't at me. Oh, with and that we business. all know we all know that VAR always gets things right, right, Todd? <laughs> we all know that VAR loves to give a red card against Cudi Romero, especially if it screws Spurs over. Uh, but that's a different conversation for a different day. I'm not going to talk about tinfoil hat stuff. I'm going to talk about what happened and what didn't happen. And what happened was Callan Wilson came into that match as a disrespectful douchebag. Oh, we already talked about that. And everybody around there knew exactly what was going on. Bacario told them what was going on. And a little bit later, Romero let him know what was going on. Now, Callan Wilson moved the ball out of the way. And so the initial challenge from Cudi Romero was a clean challenge. However, did he leave a little extra on him with that other foot, Andrew? Absolutely, he did. Now, when I said that I was going to talk about what's not happening, uh, what's not happening prior to this match when Cudi Romero is back um, is we were not getting any sort of respect in the opponent's box. They were kicking our ass. The referees weren't calling shit. We were getting elbowed in the face, knocked down, clear, blatant handballs, not being called. No one, opponent, opponents, referees, pundits, respected Spurs back line and they were playing that way and we were conceding goals that way. In that time, we had Bentoncourt end up getting knocked out on some absolute trash that was about the third or fourth little extra something that got left on by Aston Villa in that match and if Cudi Romero would have been there, it would have been snuffed out a lot sooner than what happened to Raphael Bentoncourt or Rodrigo Bentoncourt, excuse me. And Raphael too. Also Raphael. God bless it. I'm telling you, Maddie Cash was just out there taking legs off. No, but realistically, what I'm saying to you guys right now is that you, if you're going to be a big six team and you're going to compete for titles and trophies, you need to have a player on the team that strikes a fear into the heart of the opponent. And that is Cudi Romero. And we don't have another single person on that t- on our team that strikes fear in the heart of anybody. We've got a lot of guys that will talk a bunch of shit. we got a lot of guys that will throw, you know, shoulder checks or, or give me a little Pedro Poro at the end of the match. And, you know, wh- wh- what's going on today? You want to come and talk this big talk. But there's only one guy on the pitch for us right now that will legitimately stick somebody and everybody knows it. And when he's there, it makes a difference, Andrew. You're, you're talking about the enforcer, like the, the NHL style bruiser. More than that. It's more than that. Because he, the enforcer, by and large, by that definition, is a guy that you bring on to, to, to drop the gloves and get the penalty minutes after your forwards have been getting busted up all game. That's not what Cudi Romero does. What Cudi Romero does is he marshals that back line and he owns that space. 
That's the difference maker. It's not about coming in for retaliation or to prove a point. It's saying this is the way that we play and this space is owned by my style of play. And if you as an opponent are going to come into my space, every single person on this pitch knows exactly what's going to happen. I'm not going to disagree with, with, with anything that you're saying there, but he needs to be careful because these kinds of fouls are, he, he has a reputation essentially. And I'm not going to say it's unearned. It's an earned reputation. He needs to be careful picking up these bookings because we saw what happened when he was out for three games following the Chelsea match. It was really, really bad. And knowing how paper thin the depth is on this club, especially until we get to January and, and let's be honest until really until we get to February, because Spurs are not signing someone January 3rd, they're going to sign someone January 27th, probably. So th there's a big difference between, between those two things. <laughs> um, and we need to, we need to recognize that there, he is the only true healthy fit center back on this team. And if he's going to do stuff like that and, and put himself at risk, of suspension or frankly even injury himself um that's not good and i don't I, I know there's this argument of if you take away that part of his game that tenacity that um that edge that that fire that that makes him a lesser than player he needs to learn how to become that guy without making those rash challenges and without picking up these bookings i want him to be that guy that you're talking about that guy who owns his space and who stands up to the opposition and who, you know, is not going to let every single one of box. those guys in the history of the game collects yellow cards for fun. No, 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 no. It doesn't matter. He can't afford not to, if you want this team to succeed as a whole, that's my perspective. You know, I'm looking at the schedule here, you know, our upcoming fixtures trying to think when would be the best time for him to get that last yellow card. And I honestly think it might be the next game. Because... There's no, there's not a good time. No, no, no. But listen, I listen, I got, I have some rationale to this. Brighton, Brighton are a serious team. We don't want him to be out against Brighton. Bournemouth, just by happenstance, I have been watching a few of their games lately and they are very good in the air. So we don't want him missing that one. Um, and I mean, I don't really, I don't know what Burnley's deal is this year, to be honest, but, uh, you know, we're not going to want him out against Manchester United either. So I, I can get it over with. Well, you're missing Everton there too, who are on some no, kind that's, of form. No, that's who I want him to miss. I No, I think we can handle them. I do. Okay. Okay. I mean, I just, I, I don't want him to miss just any for, games. I want him to present. not get yellow cards. That's yeah. what I want. Um, and, and that's, that's my only criticism. I know there's a lot of people who are anti Romero now, and I'm not that person. I'm not saying I'm anti Romero. I want him to play with some more discipline and not, especially here's the other thing about this. It, it's four nil. It's late in the match. You're seeing out the game. Let's not do that. And that's why if it, it's a little bit different. If this is a one, one and you're pushing for something, or if you're down and you're, you're pushing for something, this was a four nil scenario late in a match where he picks up this yellow card which again i'll argue he he was lucky it was only yellow but but regardless of that you you don't want to be picking those up it, you gotta you gotta play the game scenario out a little better i think and when you're up big and you don't need to do that maybe don't do it that's all i'm saying um i know it it it, it sparked this whole thing and then we got the vicario making faces at callum wilson and that was very comical and 
I love the screenshots of that. And, you know, I, th that, that whole thing, that's all like a pissing match that I'm fine with watching. But when it comes to the actual bookings, I don't want to see it. I need it cut out. I need it chilled a little bit. Um, because we, we saw what happened after Chelsea. We saw the aftermath of this. And look, we're all happy right now because this win, again, the first one since October 27th, it is December 10th. This was kind of, and look, there's a lot of other factors too. Madison got hurt. Van de Ven got hurt. But Romero being out for three matches following that red card was a big factor in why this team has struggled so much over the last few weeks. And I don't want to see him out again for, for, for bookings. That's where I'm at. Yeah, I can't disagree with that. I, I mean, nobody wants to see him out for bookings, but I have to think that this is this is chess. I have to think that this is chess. And, and that's one. And, and just saying that that you have to you have to play with that edge. You have to play with that physical edge. If you look at the way that it happened, he didn't mean to jack him up that way, but he was in it and he in and he left a little extra since he was there. So I agree. I don't want him taking silly fouls and I don't want him more importantly taking silly cards, but I think that there's no part of me that wants to take the Sergio Ramos out of Cudi Romero because I think he has the ability to be that good for us. I don't disagree with you there. I would love to see it just come with, you know, the, the reputation thing is also like, that's what, what's in the back of my mind. Like anytime he gets even a, a, a sniff of a yellow card, type of foul it's going to be given because he's got a track record and that's 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 a hard thing to wash off is all you're I'm not saying. wrong that's a hard you're thing. not wrong. it's a hard thing for especially with what we know about premier league officially officiating right now which is uh let's what just say not, whatever not good. yeah yeah exactly um anything else from this match that we need to to dive into nottingham forest is next it's on friday um i don't know what else there is other than kudos to the team for you know ending this this run of of horrendousness and again i think a lot of it a lot of it goes to that back line of 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 romero and davis and the fullbacks playing so well and the changes getting sar back healthy getting richarlison back healthy richarlison i think is is a really big factor in this win too like getting getting his just getting him in a better state of mind even i know we've talked a lot of in the in the past about you know, Richarlison just needing a little bit of pick me up um, and needing a little bit of confidence between his 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 goal scoring. Um, getting two today, I thought was just really big, not just obviously in a four one win, but just let's let's get him with the mindset of, yes, you can do this. You can you can lead this line and score goals and Sonny's there to back you and you got Kulisevsky behind you. I love all of that. So um, you guys have anything else to add on this game before we move on and talk about the women for a minute? Um, the last thing that I'm going to say is I like Brennan Johnson on the left more than I like him on the right. But that's just me. Which is a problem because, you know, we had Sonny out on the left today. And that's that's the thing. I think we almost have too many good forwards right now. Um, and it makes selection really difficult. But the other thing I would add knock is... On, knock on wood, by the way. Knock well, on wood yeah, that we keep yeah. them all healthy. Yes. Stay healthy, please God. Um, but I also wanted to add that I thought Another thing that Sar brought to the team is just his sheer ability to cover ground and recover, um, you know, go back for players when they need to go forward. Like it just enabled the team to be so much more fluid, like all across 
the formation. You you saw players, you know, popping up in the attack um, who you would not expect to, and that's they're able to do that because you've got a player like Sar who who can recover. Um, so yeah, I just I was really impressed with Sar today. I think he was one of the brightest spots out of the game for me. I I wholeheartedly agree. I'm I'm really trying to embrace watching Sar play and not dread losing him in January to Afcon. Um, because I think he really makes things just tick in that midfield. And I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to live in the good right now and not, not get ahead of myself in, in, in fear of missing him. But, um, but that is, that is kind of where we are with that. And we're just going to have to get through these next few weeks and embrace it. And then when January comes, January comes, that's, that's what'll happen. Um, but yeah, Nottingham Forest next, that'll be, you know, that's, that's, that's a trip. That's, that's, that's a, not a layup by any, none of these games are layups. I mean, if you look at the Premier League right now, it is, it is bonkers. Um, Luton gave Man City all they could fucking handle today uh, and, and fell short, but it, it is just, every game is just a off of West Ham. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it is, there is a lot of uh, craziness going on. So it, every game is a challenge and, I, you know, I embrace that we've got Ange leading this team right now uh, into each of them with what he has available to him in terms of health and everything else. So uh, we go forward with that. Um, Tottenham Hotspur women, uh, 4-0 defeat to Manchester United today. And there's, there's, there's not a ton to talk about with this, Caroline, other than the fact that it's just there's a, there's a massive talent disparity. Um, the, good, the good is Bethany England makes her return and starts and looks good and there, there's there's all those things but there's such a talent disparity between these two teams and it's getting to the point where you had the run of the draws and and you know I, I don't know what else to say other than there's there's a gap there's still a massive gap between the united chelsea arsenal wing of this wsl and where spurs are right now and Spurs obviously are dealing with a lot of injury stuff and trying to get healthy. But going forward, how does this gap close? I don't know that it does this season. Well, I don't think it does this season. I don't think Robert Villaham thinks that either because he's been pretty candid about the fact that this is a building year and next year is when he's targeting us being able to challenge for those you know, Champions League qualification spots. Um, although I guess there is going to be a Europa League, so to speak, on the women's side for the following season. So I guess that's also a possibility that we can look forward to. Um, digression aside, you know, he's he said that we have to bring in more players and has said that we I think there's going to be at least two that come in in January um, from what I've heard, you know, kind of through the grapevine. And we've already made one signing um, who, you know, can't play until January, but that's still a positive that we're getting the business done early. Um, Cause I will admit when you said that about the men's team, not signing anyone until like the end of January, my heart fell a little bit because you're probably right. Um, but I think the women's team has been pretty good about, you know, not dawdling in the transfer windows. So um, hopefully that's, that's still the case in January because there's, there are some areas where we clearly need improvement. Um, but with this game specifically, when I heard that all three of our starting midfielders were going to be out injured, like I, I hate to be pessimistic, but I pretty much knew this, this game was not happening for us um, because we're not talking about 
a, a team like Bristol or, you know, West Ham that we could probably go toe to toe with their midfield um, if we're at under full strength. But, you know, United have a really good team. That's just the fact. And we also couldn't have Grace Clinton play because this is her parent club and she was ineligible. So, you know, we were not just light in the midfield, but also at winger position. And yeah, I don't know. It's, it's tough because you don't want to follow up our worst ever WSL loss with a four nil loss and then have to play Arsenal twice in one week. Um, it's, it's just not ideal. Um, but these, these quirks of the schedule happen sometimes. And I think we just have to, I don't know, just get through it and know that the transfer window is coming up. Everybody can get healthy because it does sound like people will be back, you know, shortly after the winter break. So, um, we just got to get through this and yeah. And that's just the point I was going to make too. There is a winter break for, you know, a gap there for some health to, to come to the team. Um, what did you make of, of Bethany England's return? I mean, I, I, I didn't mean to gloss over it, but I feel like I kind of did. This is a big deal, obviously. We've been waiting for, for Bethany England to come back into this team. Martha Thomas slides back more into the, the natural midfield role. Um, and look, it, there were a couple of chances early on. Like, if you look at the kind of the momentum chart from this game, the first 20 minutes or so were actually maybe 15 minutes or so were fairly even in this match. And Spurs actually had a couple of chances. Um, but it just it, that dam was always going to kind of break eventually. Um, and it was only one nil at halftime that, you know, three goals came after, after the half. But, um, but what did you make of, of Bethany England's return? Yeah. So I didn't get to watch this game. Um, pretty much the entire second half I missed and the first half I was very distracted, uh, while watching. So I didn't, I didn't get to study her as well as I would have liked. I'm obviously going to rewatch the game to see how she did specifically. But I know she had that one big chance early on. Um, and to United's credit, they do have the, uh, you know, FIFA goalkeeper of the year, uh, Mary Earps, who she hasn't had the best season. But I, I think that we certainly didn't make it too hard for her today. Um, but it was just good to see Beth out there because I think that what we, we really will get from her return besides obviously the, the efficient goal scoring that we came to see last season is her leadership because she is the captain and, you know, we haven't gotten to see her wearing that armband until today. So I think that just her kind of winning mentality really feeds down into the rest of the team when she's on the pitch. So hopefully, you know, she couldn't play the whole game today. Of course, nobody, I wasn't expecting her to start period. You know, I thought, yeah, I wasn't either. So the fact that she was able to start fitness-wise is great. Um, that means that, you know, she's ready to go for the rest of the season, hopefully. And we'll have to see with, as you mentioned, two games coming up this week, both against Arsenal, um, how much she's able to play in both of those. Before we get to that, um, you, you did mention a new signing. Did, is there anything else that, that we know or, or can say? I know you, you have some knowledge about this, this new signing, um, the 28-year-old uh, midfielder. Is, is it, I'm going to let you pronounce her name because I, I don't want to try. Uh, so that's the thing because, you know, typically players from East Asia, they, they have their last name first, first name last, and the club announced it the opposite. So I'm, I'm a little confused about what we're that's meant to call her. Um, but when she played in the NWSL, which is, you know, where I know her from, um, she was always referred to as Wong Shuang. 
She played for Racing Louisville and she had an injury when she first joined them. So she kind of got a late start at that club and, you know, they, they didn't get to see as much of her as they would have liked, but I think she really made a big impact for them in terms of, you know, she's a very creative playmaker. Um, Her passing range is really impressive. And she also has a lot of experience with the Chinese national team. So this is a 28-year-old player. She's going to be, is it 27 or 28? I'm sorry. It might be 27. Um, I had her at 28. Okay, 28. Yes. So I think it's important that we're starting to recruit more sort of peak age players um, because an issue that we saw, you know, over the, the previous two seasons is getting a lot of players who who had fallen out of favor at their clubs and were kind of on the older end um, coupled with really young players who don't have the experience. So now I think we're getting closer to having a better balance. And obviously that's a little off right now with Olga Atanen and Evelina Sominen being out. But I think that this, this new player, she's really going to add a spark to our attack. And she is versatile positionally too. So, you know, you could see her out on the wing. You could see her playing in the 10, which obviously right now with injuries, um, that, that, that will be helpful when she's able to start playing in January. Um, but, yeah, I think she's a really good pickup, and she was out of contract with Racing Louisville, so it's a free transfer as well. So that means we've still got, you know, funds left over for those other positions where we, we really need to fill in some gaps. Yeah, it could be a really, really important signing. Um let's let's talk about this coming week and let's also talk about some i i hate to bring us down but we we spotted some some imaging on the scoreboard today during the game that was advertising next week's w now there are two matches against arsenal this week and they're the final two matches of the 2023 calendar year before the aforementioned winter break uh the the, the midweek match is the league cup match against arsenal and then there is a weekend fixture, a, a WSL game. Advertising boards um, in the stadium today uh, were advertising the game for next Sunday at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. The game is Saturday. <laughs> um, that's a problem. Um, the other thing that we, 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 we found out is that the club was not able to provide game programs for the game today uh, just because they didn't get them in time. Um, I don't know what to say other than what the fuck. Like, I hate to be so blunt about it, but th- these are the kinds of things that with the promotion of the women's club and trying to um, put not only investment from a financial standpoint, but investment from a an attention standpoint with this club that are extremely frustrating um, when we're just getting the little things wrong. What, where do we go from here? What do, what do we have to say about this? Well, I just think it's, another example of how with the women's team, it it feels like it's always two steps forward, one step back. Because recently I had felt like the club was doing a lot better job of promoting the women's team um, in terms of things like increased visibility on Spurs play. Um, They had Beth England out at the stadium for the last men's game, um, you know, midweek talking about our upcoming game at the stadium, at the main stadium. So it's just, it's frustrating because we know that it, we're not, we're at a place in our journey as a club where it, it, it can be hard to bring in new fans because there are other teams in London who, let's be honest, we know are very successful. So 
we need to be doing a better job of at least retaining the fans that we do have. And things like this do put people off. Um, or just, you know, if someone comes out to Brisbane Road for a game, you don't want them seeing the next match date incorrect um, and then being, you know, discouraged um, from from showing up again. So it's it's just very disappointing. And I feel like it it's a bit of a slap in the face to the players who are, you know, top professionals. This obviously has been kind of a tough stretch, um, but they, I think they deserve a lot better. And it's, it's also frustrating because our new manager has been very vocal about the club needing to do a better job of these things. Like he's, he's actually come out and said these kind of things. So if, if that message is not being received, that's a little disappointing. There's no question about it. I want to shout out uh, at Anna A. Tom on Twitter who pointed these both of these things out um, with with posts today, and that's uh, it's just not good. It's not good that the club needs to do better um, all around, in my opinion. Um, and I don't think that's a I don't think that's a harsh opinion or a uh, a groundbreaking opinion whatsoever. Um, I mentioned it's two matches against Arsenal, League Cup match on Wednesday. Um, that is an away fixture. And then Saturday is the home game. It is at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Uh, that's a big deal. Arsenal are really, really good. This could get ugly, but if you have the chance, get out, support the women. Um, if you, you know, if you if you want to go to a, a women's game at the stadium, this is a perfect opportunity to do so. So, um, and as you as you point out to me, the cup match is also on Spurs play. So um, get out and check that out. Arsenal ripped Chelsea a new one today. Beat them four one. Uh, they are very good. Both those teams are level at 22 points atop the WSL. Um, so Arsenal is only trailing the, trailing Chelsea by three in goal differential right now. So uh, it's 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 going to be tough. But you know, if you can pluck a point honestly from either of those matches, that will be awesome. Like get, go out there, give the effort. Um, we would love to see it. That would be great. Uh, we'll be back to talk about it next week. Um, we'll also talk about the men playing Nottingham Forest. Again, that's the, la that's the last of the, the women's games until I think it's like late January when they return. Um, I'm double-checking that now. Yeah, this is the last two women's matches until January 21st uh, when they return to action in well, the USL, right? There is going to be a an FA Cup round um, that I don't oh, think they've right. done the draw for yet. So the, that's why that's, that's right. not showing up in the schedule. But that's going to be, I think, the week before we return to WSL. Right. So a little bit earlier in, in January, but still the last one for about a month. So um, get out and support the women if you can. We'll be back to talk about both of the, all those games uh, next weekend um, as we kind of barrel toward the holidays here and, and continue continue along as we, you know, January, January, just get us to January for both of these clubs. We want reinforcements. We want positivity. Uh, all of those wonderful things. Uh, that's going to do it for us here at the depot. You can follow us at Tottenham Depot uh, on all the social medias. Uh, you can follow Caroline at CG Stefko. You can follow Todd at TC underscore show. Follow me at a Stetka. Uh, until next week, this has been the Tottenham Depot podcast. As always, come on, you Spurs.